We've all heard about addition by subtraction, but that's kind of complex for our blue-collar Big 12. What about addition by addition? This is Locked On Big 12. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome into Locked On Big 12. I'm Drake Toll from ESPN Central Texas, live from the ESPN Central Texas supply closet again. Thanks for making Locked On Big 12 your first listen every single day. Today's show is a little bit shorter. Might be tough to hear, but I, I'm sick. Yeah, dude. I, I wake up. Maybe it's, this is the way it is where you're from. I wake up. It's 45 degrees outside. I leave work. It's 86 degrees outside. You think, you think I'm supposed to be able to, like, my body can withstand that? Um, I also haven't had a day off since August 7th. So <laughs> not from this, not from the podcast, um, but from everything else. Like, it's football season. That's what we live for. And that is part of why we're in the conversation we're in today about what the new guys in the Big 12 are going to add what what Colorado and Utah like we're all sitting around us UCF fans and Iowa State fans we're like yeah you know Iowa State's going to play Utah next year in a, in a Big 12 football game what does that mean for this league now the first thing that I notice when I look at the Pac-12 standings you go to the top three teams USC Washington Oregon State then you go to Oregon and none of those teams are going to the Big 12 right now Oregon State being the only one who's got a legitimate shot the others who are, they're already placed then there's Utah, two and one, five and one overall without Cam Rising. What do they bring to the table? Five and one. That's pretty good. We haven't talked as much about Utah after their loss a couple of weeks ago to Oregon State because of how bad the loss was, but Utah's pretty good at football. And remember, this is Utah's conference two years in a row. Back to back Pac 12 champions. They bring the toughest, the toughest team with Kyle Whittingham into the new Big 12. They bring an opportunity to win the Big 12 outright in year number one with the amount of of struggles that everybody else has had right now. Then there's Arizona. Ooh, brother, at four and three overall, Arizona, two and two in Pac-12 play. They don't jump off the page. And the Pac-12 is dealing slightly with what the Big 12 is dealing with, with the parity thing um, outside of the top four or five. And Arizona is a big part of that. They beat Washington State this week, 44 to six. In Pullman, they were two points away from beating USC. They were a touchdown away from beating Washington. They snuck against, they snuck away against Stanford, who's a pretty tough opponent. They took Mississippi State to overtime that game in Starkville. Arizona, Jed Fish, they're a team to be worried about moving forward in the Big 12. We look around and we think, oh, you know, I mean, this is what, what I thought. I was like, ah, I think TCU could win a whole lot of games in the new Big 12. Well, if 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 the Big 12, the original members of the Big 12 don't get serious about winning moving forward, like a BYU, if you don't get serious, the new members, the original members, if you don't get serious as a, a Baylor about winning, Texas Tech about winning, Oklahoma State about winning, you're going to lose to Arizona. Jed Fish's trajectory is up. Let's Let's ponder this. Let's ponder this. How many Big 12 teams can you look at right now and say that team's trajectory is up? that certainly this Big 12 team is going upward. I I just, and again, I know the last couple of conversations we've had on this show have been a little more holistic. They've been a little bit more 30,000 foot view, but that's kind of where I sit right now is in the middle of this football season, while there's plenty to analyze on the field and and we'll do that for sure. I'm also looking at at the future of this league and in a season where things are so wishy-washy and back and forth. I mean, I've, I've almost gotten to the point now where if I'm to predict the games on Saturday, I'm obviously I'm not even going to get remotely close with what's going to happen in the Big 12. I mean, 
we're staring down that we're staring at a conference right now where West Virginia could lose by 14 points to Oklahoma State at home. BYU could win by 21 against Texas Tech after just losing to TCU. TCU could go on the road and beat Kansas State. I mean, those things will likely happen because of how nuts this conference is. Some Texas Tech fan out there is throwing stuff across the room, but we will not lose to BYU. Probably not. But that's the nature of this conference. So in thinking of, in thinking of that, I'm thinking moving forward of what this league's going to look like. Washington State, Oregon State, we've had the conversation of them coming in. We know they, they probably won't be here next year. They got to figure out their lawsuit the next month before they can do anything else. Now you're talking about Arizona State who's coming in, Arizona, Colorado, and Utah. Now I gave you Arizona and and Utah. They look dangerous right now. Their trajectory is up. Then there's Colorado. And we thought their trajectory was up, right? They killed Nebraska. They beat TCU. We're all thinking, all right, this Colorado's team, this Colorado team's legit. But they really struggled against Arizona State. They lost to Stanford. Yeah, close against USC, but they look that this season Colorado is fraudulent. Yeah, tough to argue with. Colorado is a fraudulent team in 2023. We all were very quick to put them in the top 20, top 15. They're not that. They're not what we thought they were. And we really jumped the gun on that one. So as for Colorado, where they sit right now, I don't know. Their trajectory is up. How could it not be from one and eleven? But what are they going to do in the new Big Twelve? I, I said a month ago. I you know we we all got excited. I said a month ago, Deion Sanders has an opportunity to run this league, and from a marketing, a branding standpoint, a PR standpoint, he does. He's got an opportunity to bury guys like Sonny Dykes and Mike Gundy, and we we won't talk about those coaches anymore. We won't talk about Scott Satterfield. We won't mention Kalani Satake because we're always talking about Deion Sanders. There was a there was a time where I thought that's what it was going to be, and it it might not be now. If they suck, it might not be quite what we thought it was going to be. Speaking of sucking, Arizona State, they're pretty bad. Oh and oh and three in Pac-12 play one and five overall. They played in some competitive games. They played Oklahoma State close-ish. They played USC close-ish. Got within three of Colorado. They're not going to be in the same hemisphere as Washington State coming up this weekend. But those are the four new teams. That's what we got. You know, like I, I it's weird to say that the two most dangerous aren't Utah and Colorado. They're Utah and Arizona. Jed Fish's trajectory is up. Colorado's was up, and now maybe it's down from where it was early on and and is it going to plateau where where where's their consistency Arizona State oh my gosh they might as well just fire everybody start with the president go to the AD Whew. culture seems a little off there right now and then you know the that that Utah guy Utah existing Kyle Whittingham who keeps being like I don't know if we're ever going to play BYU again conference realignment Blah. The administration saying, oh, $30 million a year, $30 million for the Pac-12? How about $50 million? And then afterwards being like, yeah, well, you guys must have never negotiated before. Suggesting to George Klyovkov that $50 million is where they, yeah, well, we've We've got people telling us that it's $50 million, and there were there's never anybody ever, ever actually evaluating the Pac-12 at $50 million per team. That's not stuff, man. We, we brushed over the fact that Utah truly helped bury the Pac-12. That Utah was like, yeah, we want more. And the Pac-12, I mean, it's certainly not just Utah's fault, but here's a key cog. Here's a, a key catalyst in looking 
the looking at that conference and saying, we're worth more. We're going to stick with our guns. We're going to stick by our guns and completely losing the league. That's what happened. That's what's happened to Utah. And now they're coming to the Big 12. We give them a vote in the Big 12. All right. Hopefully they're not the swaying vote. Hopefully, hopefully we've learned our lesson. And maybe this is this is something that Utah fans can take to heart. Will will the Big 12 trust Utah? Will the Big 12 trust Utah? Will will Big 12 members look around and be like, yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna have Utah help push the needle on stuff. We're gonna have Utah be a, a real key player here from a, a an organizational administration standpoint. Utah is gonna be somebody we lean on. Mm. After it comes out that Utah helped bring down the Pac-12. Now I think Utah is going to win immediately. Utah is set up to Utah is set up to win the Big 12 in year one. I said they weren't about a month ago. I said, hey, they could. Now they look as dangerous as anybody else because nobody really looks dangerous. Utah looks more dangerous than legitimately anybody else in the new Big 12. They're the only one loss team in the new Big 12. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Colorado can, Utah can compete immediately. But from an organizational standpoint, will they be taken seriously? If they're the ones that killed, if they're the ones that killed the Pac-12, that's an interesting conversation. So what what do the new guys bring in? What is what does Utah bring in? Hmm. Huh. Wow. <laughs> you know, how do we treat Utah? How do we look at Utah? I don't know. They get a vote just like everybody else. They'll get a vote just like everybody else. How did that work for them in the Pac-12? Take everything Utah does with a grain of salt, please. Coming up, Clemson. Leaving the ACC? Huh. What does that do to the Big 12? This is Locked On Big 12. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical, where you can get a Jace case. And right now, take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Put your health in your own hands. Jace case has five life-saving antibiotics that in the case of an in case of an emergency you've got an opportunity to help save yours. What I love about Jace case is that you can save money. So you're not just saving lives, you can also save money with the Jace case because we have special special locked on Big 12 deals pertaining to what Jace case can bring you. Again, this puts your health in your own hands and at Jace case you can get $20 off life-saving antibiotics today. By using code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. Code locked on at checkout, jacemedical.com. Go check them out. Jace Medical, locked on, $20 off. That's J A S E medical.com. So reports came out a couple of weeks ago, and I kind of brushed over it because I didn't think much of it. And now. The more I've been thinking about these new teams in the Big 12, the more I've been thinking about how the Big 12 expands further. Clemson, I, and there were some there were some things that I missed with this, with Clemson basically saying, hey, look, with a, a source saying Clemson could leave the ACC sooner rather than later. That's how I'll put it. According to On3, current ACC schools locked until 2036, but there are ways, you know, like Florida State thinking maybe there's been fraud committed. There are ways here that the ACC teams could get out of this. Clemson official per Sports Illustrated spoke out and said the possibility of leaving with Florida State and UNC, their strength in numbers if we're not the only ones, if we're not the only departing ACC school doing the negotiating. If Florida State, Clemson, if UNC come to the table, pull their pants down, 
lay it all on the table and say, hey, look, this is what's going to happen. Can tell you, can tell you how that's going to go. They've got the they got the staying power. Notre Dame's acting like it's the one that calls the shot in the ACC. Maybe they to to an extent, yeah. They kind of got to push some people around in the ACC. I don't think I think Clemson's kind of over. I think Florida State's over. I think UNC's over it. They all voted against having SMU. Remember, we we forget here. This team in Dallas, SMU, Southern Methodist University, the Mustangs are paying their own way into the ACC. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Desperate. Leaving their conference, hoping for the best in the ACC, funding it themselves. And if the ACC falls apart, I don't know where, I don't know where SMU goes. Now, they got to their magic number. They got to their magic number of 18. So if they lose three members, UNC, Duke, and Miami, UNC, Duke, huh, that's... No, UNC, Clemson, and Florida State. We'll get to Duke and Miami in a second. They lose those three, UNC, Clemson, Florida State. Then at that point, the 15, they're like, all right, the TV deal stays put. But you think Duke's going to be cool with that? There's where Duke comes. You think Miami? Miami's going to see Florida State leave and be like, oh, yeah, we're good. We're going to stay. You think they they see their brand so much worse off than a Clemson, than a Florida State, that they would let those teams go and just say, all right, fine. We're just going to be Miami in the ACC. No, no. If you're the Big 12, if you're Brett Yormark, well, you could still, you know, we've talked a lot about Washington State, Oregon State. You could still do that. But now if you're a UCF fan, if you're a, a West Virginia fan, you're turning a keen eye and saying, oh, huh. Clemson could leave sooner than later. You already know they're unhappy. They voted against adding those new members and what they wanted was completely by the wayside. So you already know Clemson's not happy right now. You think, huh? Oh, well, as the, as the Big 12, the offensive now goes to Pitt, Louisville. Do I think Miami will be a Big 12 team? No. But I, I want us to okay, close your eye. If you're driving, don't. Close your eyes for one second and picture in the Big 12, Miami. What if the Big 12 got a UNC in Miami? What if the Big 12 said, hey, look, we have, have settled for being number three. We're third fiddle behind what the SEC and the Big Ten are able to do. We're building the power conference thing. If the ACC falls apart and it's Big 12, SEC, Big Ten, at some point down the line here, the Big 12 has to compete to be a power conference. If it's a power two, because the Big Ten and the SEC are making so much more money than the Big 12, then it's obvious what's going to happen at some point. Big 12 teams that are profitable will move to those leagues. Big 12 teams that are saying, hey, we want more money. They're going to go to the SEC. They're going to, they're going to go to the Big 10. If the Big 12 wants to compete as a big dog, having already we've already accepted they cannot be the Big 10. They cannot be the SEC. But what if we get off of that horse? What if we get into a, hey, there's a door here. If you're Brett Yormark, I think you got to call. You got to make that call. You got to go so offensive to a Miami, to a UNC, which again, I know that every sort, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Every source has told you those teams are going to the Big Ten, they're, they're going to the SEC. And I think that's true. We're kind of waiting on that to happen. The day is coming. I, I do believe that sooner than later, as the report says, the day is coming. But what happens 10 years down the line from that? What happens if the Big 12 gets pit in Louisville, but the Biggest four or five teams from the ACC go to the SEC in the Big Ten. And those two conferences are bringing in $85, $90 million per team. 
and the Big 12 is sitting at 40, 45. Again, this being in 2036. Then what? You think that the, the top teams, the Big 12, are going to sit around and let those teams make 30, 40 more million dollars? Huh. I don't think so. So now if you're at your mark, you have to find ways to attack, to bring in big brands, to bring in big money in football. Not UConn, not Gonzaga, in football. What does Clemson leaving the ACC do for the Big 12? Well, it means that Florida State's right with them. UNC is right with them. And with that comes NC State. It comes Miami. It comes Duke. It comes Virginia Tech. That whole conference is going to fall apart. And when it does, if you're Brett Yormark, you can't just settle. You can't just say, oh, we'll take Louisville and Pitt. We'll be good. Hmm. Because in 2036, that's not going to behoove you. When two conferences are making nearly double what the big big 12 is making which i'm not guaranteeing that to be a thing but i'm worried it would i'm worried it'll become that way i'm worried when every week in the big 10 is a top 10 matchup oh i don't know every week in the sec is a, you know there's a three top 10 matchups oh that's going to be tough that's hyperbolic to an extent obviously you wouldn't get that much weight at the top but man be a whole lot of people watching that over the Big 12, which would stink. You know, it stinks. This cold. Oh, come back tomorrow. Hopefully, I'll have less of a cold. Let's beat the books. I don't feel good. Did a podcast, though. Thank you for listening. 10,000 subscribers. This is locked on. Thanks for making it your first listen every single day. Dose Grande.